What's the best way to build an NBA franchise? How do you start a dynasty? Do you do it through free agency and blockbuster trades? Or do you do it organically like the Spurs did? Remember, the Spurs had David Robinson. They drafted him number one in 87. And then near the end of his Hall of Fame career, he misses the season, which allows them to get the number one pick. And they draft Tim Duncan, number one in 1997. They then draft Ginobili 57th in 1999, Parker 28th in 2001. Shout out to the Spurs scouting staff. Been killing the game for a minute. They did it organically. Their core, they drafted and they developed. And then they built a culture to which every player that came there adapted to. Could you do it like the Thunder did? Think about this. The Thunder drafted Kevin Durant and Jeff Green in 2007. Durant going second, Jeff Green fifth. They then draft Russell Westbrook fourth in 2008, Serge Ibaka 24th in 2008, and then James Harden in 2009. They drafted all those players, developed them, and made them into legit championship contenders. The only flaw... When you draft that kind of young talent and they're that close together in age is the ability to pay them. And ultimately, I think that's what hurt Oklahoma City. And I actually think they had the ability to pay them. They just chose not to. That team, that talent will always go down as one of those what ifs, what could have been. That team should have stayed together till this day. When you look at that roster and how they put that together, but it was built organically. That's one way to do it. What about what the Celtics did? You've got an aging superstar who, you know, can still play at a high level for another three or four years in Paul Pierce. But him alone is just good enough to barely get you into the playoffs or just miss the playoffs. So what does Danny Ainge do? Blockbuster deals brings in Kevin Garnett. Brings in Ray Allen, drafts two young players in Rondo and Perkins who become supplementary parts. The first championship, Rondo develops into an all-star caliber player. That Celtics team goes to two finals and wins one title. They built their team through blockbuster deals and trades. There's no set formula on how to create a great franchise. And most of the formulas have all worked and they've all failed. You can draft the most talented player in the draft. Everybody can agree he should have gone number one. You made the right choice and you can still get it wrong because of chemistry. Maybe because of attitude. Maybe that player has all the talent in the world, but he doesn't really know the game. He doesn't. He's not mature mentally enough. He can't handle the pressure. Maybe the situation that he's drafted into is just a bad fit for him. It's just a bad culture. There's a number of things that can go wrong when you draft. It's just unpredictable. I was thinking about that today because I had this crazy debate. And the debate really was about the future of the Eastern Conference and who's set up better. Who's doing it better? Which way is better? When you look at the Sixers. With Embiid and Simmons, Foltz, and Sarge, who they all drafted. 
Embiid, they took third in 2014. Simmons, first in 2016. Fultz, first in 2017. Sarge was 12th in 2014. And the crazy thing is McConnell and Covington, who are two key players, both terrific perimeter defenders, but McConnell's become one of the better backup point guards in the NBA. They both went undrafted. Covington was undrafted in 2013. McConnell was undrafted in 2015, and both were key cogs. But these players, this core, the Sixers drafted, or in those two guys' case, they picked up off the scrap heap, but they developed them, they put them into their system, and now they're reaping develop the, the, the benefits of what they've done. I like what the Celtics did. Look, Danny Age is a forward-thinking guy. And he, it's not like he did wrong. He drafted Marcus Smart sixth in 2014. He drafted Jalen Brown third in 2016. He got Terry Rozier 16th in 2015. And of course, Jason Tatum third last year. Then what he did was he had cap space. He made some deals. He brought in a Kyrie Irving. He got Gordon Haywood in free agency, Al Horford in free agency. What they have is a blend. So they have the young, they have the young talent, but then they have some star talent that are veterans. They have a blend. And you look at what Tatum has done with Kyrie going down. Obviously, they didn't want Kyrie to go down, but because Kyrie was out, because Hayward was out, Tatum and Brown were able to develop even quicker, get more experience under their belt, not to mention what they were able to do with the added minutes. Same for Terry Rozier. When Terry Rozier was able to step in and become more of a full-time player, he was very productive. Obviously not better than Kyrie Irving, but he proved himself someone who, when he goes into free agency, will be a sought-after player. When you look at both models, they're both effective, but there's no set way to say they're better. If Boston has an edge, it's that they have more of a veteran presence and a balance in that sense. Although the Sixers do have Wilson Chandler and J.J. Redick, so I think they have enough of veteran presence. Not to mention, Simmons and Embiid are both alpha personalities. So that team doesn't lack for confidence. I think both ways are effective, and I think it's been proven out over the years. Look at what the Rockets did. The Rockets are anything but organic. They bring in Harden for free agency, and he gets them to a couple of conference finals, but not enough. He's not that guy by himself. Then they bring in Chris Paul, who's at least Harden's equal in terms of impact. And he's probably his superior in terms of being a leader and an elite defender. What do they do? They go to the conference finals. They got the Warriors down 3-1. And it's a wrap, but then it's not a wrap because CP3 goes down. But even with their current roster and with the additions they've made this season, they've added Mello. They still have Eric Gordon bringing back Gerald Green. Now they've made the additions of Brandon Knight, Michael Carter-Williams, James Ennis. Clint Capella is coming back off of a big season. I expect Clint Capella to be in the All-Star game this season. And they still have a talent in Marquise Chris if he can ever put it all together. This Rockets team is not organic, but they do have just enough of some young legs to go with the older, more savvy, proven veteran core. I like what Daryl Morey did this offseason. 
And I know a lot of people are making a big deal out of losing Bamute and Trevor Ariza. But what you gained in return is better. You got to be able to make buckets. They didn't lose last. Even without CP3, they had an opportunity to win game seven. And it wasn't that their defense failed them. It was that their offense failed them. They couldn't get buckets when they needed them. That's one way to build. Look at what the Lakers have done. They drafted Lonzo. They drafted Kuzma. Ingram. Hart. Mo Wagner. Not to mention, with the addition of the best player in basketball, LeBron, the Lakers are kind of like a blend of two different teams. On one side, you've got that young, talented core where no one's older than 24. And on the other side, you've got guys like Rondo, Stevenson, Beasley, Caldwell Pope, and JaVale McGee, who are veterans. They've been through it. They've had some playoff time. They're tested. And then LeBron's in the middle, and it's on him to navigate that unique blend of personalities and talent. Even if you went back further, there's always a different way to construct a team. Look what Miami did when LeBron made the decision. They were able to bring in LeBron and Bosch and add him to Dwayne Wade, and they had strong complementary players around them. What did that team do? Four finals appearances, two titles. Go back further. How about this? What about Kobe? What he did when he was able to get Pau Gasol and they added Lamar Odom and Andrew Bynum ascended. Andrew Bynum stepped up and became an impactful player. What did that Lakers team do once that team was assembled around Kobe? Three trips to the finals, two titles. Obviously, there was a repeat in there. The construction of your team, sure, in a perfect world, is built around a superstar. Even better than that, you could have two superstars. But most of the time, at the center, you've got to have a superstar, if not a superstar, an all-star, and another all-star who is their equal or their superior with complementary parts around them. So the question today is, even though I've already had this debate outside of the fam, I'm putting it out there for the fam. If you're a GM and you're building and constructing a team, how would you go about doing it? It would be criminal if I didn't mention that Piston squad that consisted of Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Ben Wallace, Sheed, Tayshawn Prince and company. That squad went to seven straight Eastern Conference championships. Two NBA Finals, winning one of those. One of the best defense, defensive teams I've ever seen. An efficient offensive team. And they didn't just beat the Lakers in five games. They annihilated the Lakers in five games in that championship series. It would be criminal not to mention them. And remember, these were guys that, before they were put together, were talented players, but they kind of bounced around and really never found a home. But when they came together under the philosophy and coaching techniques of Larry Brown, they were beast. On another note, the NBA starts tomorrow, y'all. Or should I say it actually starts today? I'm doing this late, so bear with me. Boston versus the Sixers right out the gate. 
We're just talking about those franchises. The Thunder and the Warriors right out the gate. Downside is I don't think Russ is going to play. But that won't make the game any less interesting. Basketball's back. How could you not be excited? Speaking of basketball, I gave you guys my top 10 shooting guards. So I'm going to be fair and keep it 100 and stick with the process and give you my top 10 point guards. So here we go. Number 10, Ricky Rubio. Great facilitator. Very good on ball defender, and he's much improved with his perimeter shot. I think Rubio in Utah will be back in the playoff picture this season. Mike Conley's number nine. Now, we obviously Mike Conley missed all of last season, but when Mike Conley's healthy, an elite on ball defender, great floor general, can shoot the three, has the ability to turn the corner and penetrate, just an all around versatile point guard. Kimba Walker. Kimba's more of a combo guard, not really a pure point guard, but he can get buckets. So he comes in at number eight. Number seven, Cal Lowry. I call Cal Lowry like the rock. He's not the best of any one thing, but he's good at a lot of things. And over the course of the last few years, he's become a lot more efficient at shooting the three. I think Cal Lowry's a solid point guard. He's also a solid defender when he's engaged. At number six, John Wall. I think John Wall is one of the few true point guards in terms of the way he runs the team. And when he's engaged, John Wall's a terrific defender, especially at playing the passing lanes. In the open floor, end to end, I'm not sure who's faster, him or Russ. John Wall is a blur. And when he attacks the basket, when he's going downhill, unguardable. At number five, and you can flip this. I've always talked about this because I've got Kyrie four. But at number five is Dame. Damian Lillard, big shot taker, maker, can break you down off the bounce, has crazy range, and is fearless. Dame is one of my favorite players to watch. I have nothing against the Portland area. But I think until Dame gets up out of there, he's going to be slept on. Number four, Kyrie Irving. Best handles in the NBA. He is a monster in closed situations, and he's a monster in space. When you watch Kyrie Irving turn the quarter and dance on somebody, I've said this before, Kyrie Irving is the NBA equivalent of Barry Sanders. He turns everybody inside out, and his ability to finish over size is the best I've seen since Rod Strickland. At number three, it's Russ. Russell Westbrook is the best athlete I've ever seen in the NBA. He is the most explosive and electric player I've seen ever. And Russ has flaws, no doubt. But name me a person who wouldn't want Russ on their squad. Russ is a monster, and he goes 100% all times. I think Russell Westbrook will eventually win an NBA championship. I don't think he'll do it as the team's best player, but I do think he will be part of a championship winning team. And I want that for us. At number two, the ultimate floor general, Chris Paul. CP3 can run a team. He's got a deadly mid-range game. He's extended his range to three. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the league, and he can still penetrate, get to the basket. But I think where he excels at, what he's given Houston more than his offense 
It's his defensive mindset. Chris Paul is a nasty defender. And while he's not the tallest defender, he has the ability to guard people his size and people six to seven inches taller than him because of his lower body strength. Chris Paul's a bad man defensively. And pairing him with James Paul, or James Paul, my bad, pairing him with the beard, James Harden, is one of the smartest things Daryl Morey's done because what you have when you have both of them on the floor, you've got elite point guard play at both positions. And when one leaves, your offense doesn't taper off. When Harden's in the game, Houston's offense flows. When Harden steps down and they put the ball in CP3's hand, they don't miss a beat. This is one of the best teams in the league. I would be shocked if the combination of Harden and Paul isn't in the Western Conference Finals for a second year in a row. Number one, no question, Steph Curry. Steph is not the best facilitator. He's not the best pure point guard. But in terms of impact, Steph Curry's number one. We're still talking about a two-time league MVP. And a guy, because of his crazy range and his ability to shoot off the bounce without breaking form, from as far as 40 to 45 feet away, Steph makes teams defend and extend their defenses in ways no other player has ever done before. Steph Curry's impact is why he's the number one point guard in the NBA. And I think this season, Steph's going to have a big one. Facebook fam, good looking out. Anchor fam, thanks for the support. Shout out to the Anchor app people. I'm going to be back on Thursday, H and I will do NFL picks. And of course, we'll be talking NBA. The NBA is back, fam. I'm going to leave you all with a touch. This is the cipher.